It's all here. It's all here. I've been thinking about that phrase for the last couple of weeks. It's, it's all here. I, I want to hear you uh, say it with me. It's all here. But it's such an all-or-nothing phrase, isn't it? It's either all here or it isn't all here. I mean, it's one of those kind of like line-in-the-sand comments that you can make. It's either all here or it's not. I don't know about you, but I'm actually suspicious when I hear that phrase, it's all here, because there's so many things out there. There's, there's companies, there's, there's products, there's experiences. They kind of claim the, that it's all here and it's not. And so whenever I hear that phrase, it's all here, I'm suspicious. How many of you uh, use hand sanitizer? <laughs> yes, we're, we're a Purell generation. And uh, man, uh, there's, this, there's this belief that it's, it's all here. It's all here in this bottle. This, this little bottle of, uh, you know, spritz or foam, it's, it's all here uh, to save me from sickness. And I, I know some of you have such anxiety over sickness that you're, you're you know, you're, you, you put it on all the time. But have you ever read the fine print? Effective against 99.9% .9 of bacteria? You should be terrified <laughs> of that 0.1%. It's not all there. I don't know if you've ever been to an all-inclusive resort, but, uh, you know, it's got this uh, great appeal. You know, it, it's, it's all here, right? Everything you want. It's all here, and you can prepay for it in advance, and it's all included. Uh, but then you get there, you get to Jamaica, and you're enjoying it. You got a place to sleep, and you got food, and you got drink, and all these things. And all of a sudden, you're like, I want to ski. Not water ski, I want to snow ski. Uh, we don't do that here. It's not all here. Uh, how many of you like uh, all you can eat buffets? Man, some hands just shot up. <laughs> And some of you are like, yes, but I'm not going to put my hand up in public. But some of you are like, yes. You go to these all-you-can-eat buffets, and, you know, and, the, and it's this idea. It's all here. And if you're like me and you get there and all of a sudden you have a craving for a churro. <laughs> you ask for the churro. And I've never seen a churro at an all-you-can-eat buffet. And you ask, where, where, where's the churro? Is it not here? No, we, we don't have it here. Uh, Amazon. Not, not the rainforest, but, you know. This thing that you go to and brown boxes magically show up to your, your front porch every single day of your life. There, there's certain things you can't buy. It's not, there's, not everything is there. And so whenever people make the claim or a company or an experience or whatever says it's all here, we should be suspicious. And yet there was something that happened 2,000 years ago on a Sunday morning that changed the course of human history, that actually for the first time in human history, there is one who can say, and actually we can say, it's all here. In Jesus. And again, it's an all or nothing phrase. And I love the fact that it's, it's April Fool's Day. <laughs> On Easter. Right? So either Jesus is who he says he is, or he's a fool. And we're a bunch of fools. And none of this is true. And we're wasting our time. Why don't we open up our Bibles to Luke 24, and let's take a look. And let's see. Uh, is it true? Can, 
can we make the case, can we leave here today, whether you're in person, you're joining us online, can we leave here saying, wow, Jesus has the right to say, the authority to say, the, the ability to say, it's all here. Luke 24, verses 33 through 53. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. That Red Pew Bible is in front of you. And it's red because we want it to be red. We want it to be uh, opened up. We want it to be in your life speaking truth. And if you don't own a Bible, take one of those with you. We'd rather you have it than it sit here all week. There's a pencil. You can take notes in it if you'd like. But let me read for us Luke 24, verses 33 through 53. Page 860. He didn't even ask, but it's right there. Ron, you can read. Oh, it's not there. Well, look at you on it. So 860 in your pew Bibles. Luke 24, verse 33. That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything, everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so that here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. Like a little clap in there from the youth. All right, let's keep those Bibles open. You know this changes everything. That's why there's that response. And yet in that moment, they see Jesus, he appears to them, and they've got doubts. They've got, they've got fears. They, they, they can't wrap their minds around what they're seeing. And either we're fools or we've got to follow Jesus into this glorious future, but we've got to first ask the question, did Jesus really rise from the grave? Did this actually happen? Is this like an actual historical event or is this just, you know, a nice inspirational story? And let me make the case that the text and even what we understand about history says, yes, absolutely. Take a look at this. Open those Bibles back up. In verse 37, they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He says, 
to them, why are you frightened? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. Look at me. Touch me. I'm alive. I'm here. It's not just this kind of like intellectual, vague idea that I've defeated death. Intimately, I'm here in your presence. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was to make this up, you know, if I was to imagine, okay, what could I do to, you know, spread a message about this one that I love, this, this person that I had been following, if I was a disciple, if I had followed Jesus and he had died, and if I wanted people to believe, I wouldn't have written the story this way. I wouldn't write in the story that when he shows up, I'm terrified. I wouldn't write into the story that I have doubts. I wouldn't write in the story that he shows up and says, do you have anything to eat? I mean, that's like a Seth Rogen film. I mean, Scorsese would not have you come in and say, do you have anything to eat? I'm, I'm hungry. If I, was to write, if I was to make this stuff up, I would have Jesus coming with power and lightning with massive trumpets, with, with massive guitars, guitars that have like 17 necks and the guitars, I mean, amazing. Like I would want it to be intense, like angel armies. I would want it to be just so phenomenal. I would want to blow people away. I wouldn't write it like this. I wouldn't make it so, so mundane. Do you have anything to eat? We gave him some fish, and in his resurrected body that is fully spiritual and fully physical, he, he eats that fish, and it doesn't fall to the ground like a ghost, but somehow he, he digests it, and somehow he showed up into that locked room. How on earth? This doesn't make sense. And maybe we say, you know, in the 21st century, you know, this did not happen. Science can prove that, that people can't raise from the grave. You know, people back then in the first century, you know, they were simple. They, they believed in myths. They believed in miracles. But actually, if you know anything about first century history, you would know this. That a Greco-Roman point of view would say, it's impossible. People don't rise from the grave. And if you understand Jewish history, you would know that no one believed that one person could rise from the grave. They believed in a general kind of resurrection from the dead at the end of time, but they never in a million years would wrap their mind around the truth that somebody could rise from the grave in the middle of history. We might say today, that, that, that can't happen. And let me tell you that everybody that walked the planet in the first century also said, that can't happen. The nation of Israel said, that, 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 that won't happen. The Greeks, the Romans, they said, that, that, that can't happen. And you read the story, and it's so far beyond not only our scientific mind, but it's so far beyond the first century mind that it's impossible that everybody should be foolish unless it actually happened. Why does nobody know where Jesus' grave is? I mean, there's some tourist agencies oh, for, you know, a little bit of money. We'll show you where he's buried. But no one knows. Have you thought about that? I mean, every other, you know, major leader, king, emperor, 
Pharaoh, you know, there's like these shrines that are built and followers go there. Why on earth does no one know where Jesus' tomb is? You know, if you lose somebody, a loved one, immediately their, 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 their bedroom becomes this thing you don't want to let go of. Their clothes, their things, you, 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 it's like a shrine. And yet when they're alive, their clothes and their things that are everywhere, you're like, hey, put it away. If Jesus really died and if he really stayed in the grave, wouldn't there be a shrine built at his tomb? And the reason why there isn't is because it didn't matter. The first century believers were like, we don't care where he died. We don't care where he was buried because he's alive. It changes everything. And Jesus says, you've got a choice. Whether it's the first century, the 21st century, you look at me, either I'm a fool or you follow me into the future. It's an all or nothing. Either you believe when I say, when Jesus says, it's all here, or it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet that doesn't have churros. There's something missing. Take a look at this. Open those Bibles back up. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Again, look at verse 39. Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. And what's so amazing about this, when I was a little kid, I, you know, I imagine the resurrected Jesus is like this, you know, kind of apparition, like a ghost, like he was just floating. And I, and I used to think that, you know, to be in heaven, we would float. We'd, we'd, you know, we'd have wings. We'd be on the, you know, the clouds playing harps. And yet that's not at all what the Bible says. You see, there's this future reality called the new heavens and the new earth that Jesus' resurrection showed us what it would look like. He is the first of what we will all experience if we put our faith and trust in him for all of eternity. And this picture of the new heavens and the new earth is physical and it's spiritual. You know that you're going to eat and drink and dance in the kingdom of God? And you're going to eat and not be bloated. You're going to drink and it's not going to be liver damage. And you're going to dance and it's going to look good. <laughs> you're going to run. You're not going to pull a hamstring. You're going to work and there's not going to be toil. You're going to create art and there's not going to be haters. Whatever social media looks like, there's not going to be any trolls. <laughs> I mean, there's this reality, this future reality that actually with Jesus, he inaugurated on that Sunday morning. And here's the amazing thing. Wherever he went, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. There's this future reality that you're going to experience in all of its fullness, but you're going to get to experience it here and now today. Jesus says, I'm going to ultimately heal the land. I'm going to heal people. I'm going to heal all of creation. I'm going to mend broken relationships. I'm going to bring justice where justice is needed. All the things that you've ever been longing for, I'm going to accomplish in all of its fullness, but I'm going to start doing it now. So here's the amazing thing, that if we live with this truth that Jesus is alive, if we truly are Easter people, if we follow him and we aren't fools and believe in the lies of this world, but if we follow him into this future then we can actually begin to invest in what God is doing here on earth and it's going to stretch into eternity. Allegedly, Martin Luther, like this rebel from the 1400s with a great haircut, Google him later. <laughs> Allegedly, he said this, if Jesus was to return tomorrow, you know what I'd do today? 
I'd plant a tree. What? You see, he had this understanding that Jesus was going to come and he was going to heal and he was going to restore and he was going to reconcile and bring all things back to God's original intent. Did you know in Psalm 96 it says that the trees in God's presence will sing? In Isaiah 55, it says, the trees of the land will clap their hands and dance. Martin Luther says, I want to plant a tree today that will dance tomorrow. And what a different way to live. See, the amazing thing about the resurrection is that you're freed from this physical world. You're not bound by it, and yet you can be engaged with it. That you can plant trees. You can create art for God's glory. You can, you can be part of healing society. But Jesus says, I want you to know that it's all here in me. Now take a step back and think about this. You know, we, we long for things in our lives, in our relationships, in our society. And we're looking for resources to mend those things. When there's a couple with a broken relationship, they've got nowhere to turn. They don't know what to do. Jesus longs for them to know that in Christ, it's all here. Jesus longs that that couple would turn to him in prayer and say, Jesus, you, you are the source of healing. You are the source of reconciliation. You are the source of love. Help us. When we look on the society and, and students are crying out saying, adults, what are you going to do about these guns in the school? And there's all this debate, there's all this clamoring. We're looking for resources to how, how do we heal this? And Jesus longs that we would turn to him and say, it's all here in me. I'm the source of peace. I'm the source of hope. I'm the one who one day we're going to see, Scripture says that we are going to take our instruments of war and we're going to transform them into instruments to sow the earth and to create resources for the flourishing of humanity. When you're entering a workplace and you have no idea, you know, how, how are we going to navigate through this season? I mean, our profits are down and, you know, it would just be so much easier to just, you know, kind of skim a little off the top or to, you know, cook the books. What are we going to do? How are we, I mean, our stock's going to drop. What do we do? Jesus longs for us to turn to him, to hear him saying, it's all here. In me, I'm the source of wisdom. I'm the source of truth. I'm the source of, of discernment. When we long to create something beautiful, art, music, film, a third grade drawing, a school project, and we're, you know, we're looking for that inspiration. We're longing for that inspiration. There's all these things in the world that can be our muse, that can be our, our inspiration. And Jesus longs for us to look at him and, and to, to hear him say, it's all here in me. I'm the source of beauty. I'm the source of creativity. I'm the source of wonder. Take a look at this one last thing. Open those Bibles back up. Verse 39. Jesus says, look at my hands and my feet. What a weird thing to say. I mean, if I was writing this, if I was to make this up, I would say, look into my eyes. I mean, isn't that more poetic? Look into my eyes. I mean, wouldn't you think that Jesus 
if he really wanted his disciples to know that, wouldn't he say, look, look into my eyes. And he says, look at my hands and look at my feet. And then the next verse makes the point strong. And he shows them his hands and his feet. You know, for years, I would just, I would brush past this point in Scripture. I, you know, I would, I would jump past that. I would rush past to just the seemingly more amazing things later on. And I'm missing this truth. I'm missing this phenomenal truth that actually has so much meaning for us today. When Jesus says, look at my, my nail-scarred hands. Look at my nail-scarred feet. In my resurrected body, in my perfect body, look at my wounds. He does something that is unbelievably transformative. You know me, when I, without God, when I try to deal with pain, I try to just tuck it away. I try to cover it up. I try to forget about it. I try to numb it. I try to just, you know, push it down. And I would imagine, if I'm not understanding God's word, I would imagine that in God's presence it would be this place where you just forget about the pain. You, you forget about the sorrow. You forget about the suffering. And Jesus says, no, I've got something even better. Because the only thing that's better than you forgetting your pain, the only thing better than you forgetting your suffering, the only thing better than you forgetting about all the brokenness in the world and all the anger and the hate in the world, the only thing better than all of that is that I show you what it means in my redemptive story. You see, on Friday when Jesus was on the cross and they saw the nails in his feet and his hands, they thought, you know, that pain, that suffering, that is getting in the way of what I thought God was going to do. That's getting in the way of my plans. And it's easy for us in the 21st century to look at the sorrow in our life, the suffering in our life, the pain in our life, the hurt in our life and say, where's God? And when Jesus says, look at my hands and my feet, he's saying, look at the thing that you thought was keeping me from you. And I'm showing you that this is the thing that brought me to you. Have you ever thought about this? When you're going to be in God's presence in your resurrected body, eating and drinking and dancing in the fullness of all that God intended for us, where all things are going to be absolutely glorious, we're going to live for eternity in a new heavens and a new earth, you're going to have scars. And you're going to see those scars. And you'll have such a redemptive view of that broken relationship, that awful season, that experience that you went through, that you would say, that is so beautiful. I had an opportunity to meet Johnny Erickson Tata. If you know her story, she's lived most of her life in a wheelchair. When she was young, she had an accident. She's been paralyzed almost her entire life. And she had this experience she shared at the age of 18. She went to a conference and people in the middle of that, they said, let's pray. And then somebody else said, let's get down on our knees and pray. And this wheelchair-bound woman all of a sudden burst into tears because she saw the whole room drop to their knees and she couldn't. And she had this moment of, I'm missing out. And we live in this world where we've got this fear of, of, of missing out. And maybe some of you who come here today and, you, and you're saying, you know what, I've, I've lost love. I'll never 
have that again. You know, I've lost the ability to do these certain things. I'm not a professional athlete anymore. I'm not going to experience that anymore. Some of you are at a place in your life where you're saying, you know, I always wanted to be able to do this. And now I'm not going to be able to. And what Johnny Erickson Tata realized for herself is true for all of us today because Jesus is alive. She said this, that Jesus, because he is resurrected, physical and spiritual, and he's going to give us a new body. That the first thing that I'm going to do in his presence is I'm going to kneel before my Savior. I thought I had this thought that I'd never be able to do it. But when I realize that Jesus has defeated death, I'm going to, for all of eternity, be able to do this. And so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to kneel before my Savior. I'm going to praise him and then I'm going to get up. What you say? I'm going to get up and dance. You're not going to float in God's presence. I'll say it again. You're going to eat and you're going to drink and you're going to dance and you're going to experience the fullness of what we were created for. And so she looked to that future day and say, this thing that I don't have now and the pain now is going to be so much more beautiful in God's presence. It's why all the great movies of this world have so much conflict, so much pain, so much strife to finally get to the redemptive ending. But it's nothing unless we personalize it. It's, it's, it's nothing unless we take it in. It's nothing unless we listen to Jesus' invitation to come and see what living is all about. Come and touch and experience and encounter me. How many of you, you, you look back on the last year, just a show of hands, how many of you experienced some sort of pain? Physical pain, emotional pain, relational pain? I want you to keep your hands up if you don't mind. I want you to keep your hands up. Because Jesus is alive. Because this is a real thing. Because Jesus says, look at my hands and look at my feet. He sees your year. He's seen this experience this year. And he says, there is so much meaning that I'm going to reveal to you in what has gone on. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to bring so much meaning to it. Put your hope and trust in me. And I have no idea as a human what you've gone through this year, but Jesus knows. And he says, I, I see. And I want to redeem it. I want to give it meaning. I, I, I want you to see it one day from, from my perspective. I want you to experience the joy. Jesus sees this year and what you've lost and what you've experienced. And he says, because I'm alive, because... I've defeated death. I'm going to have the last word. And I'm going to show you one day the fullness of how I used all this for my glory. Those hands have gone down quick. <laughs> Don't come to me. But here's what's beautiful about the truth of what Jesus did that day. He didn't just resurrect from the grave. And say, it's all about me, it's, it's, you know, and that's it. And now I'm going to leave you, good luck. He says, I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you're going to have the resources that you need to be part of the healing and the revival and the renewal of all things. I'm going to give you the resources to end the brokenness in this world. 
I want you to partner with me to sow back into this world love and hope and dignity and justice. And so here's the amazing thing. He gives you what you need to be the church, to be part of what he is doing. And so therefore, it's not about just one of us going up to remind one another of that truth. We get to be the church and we get to look at one another in the midst of our pain and say, Jesus sees you. And there's meaning in your pain. But we've got to practice this. It doesn't come natural. We, we, we think the church is something we just show up to on a Sunday or once a year on Easter. But the truth of what Scripture says is that you, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are the church. I've called you out to be my witnesses in the world. And I'm going to give you power to be part of the healing in the world. So I, I'm going to do it again. Would you put your hands up if you experience pain or suffering in any way in this last year? Now I want you to be the church. We're going to do this twice. I want you to turn to someone next to you. And I want you to say this, Jesus sees your pain. Would you just turn to one another and just say, Jesus sees your pain. Now, some of you, you don't believe that at all. And yet you said it. And actually that's the beautiful thing about how God works, that often God is using people that don't yet fully understand who he is to be used for his purposes. That ultimately God longs for you to come to a personal relationship with Jesus, but God can actually use you even before you know him personally. And we can be the church out in the city, in our workplaces, in the studio, in our, in our lines at school, in the lunchroom, wherever we go. We can be the church even on vacation because when people experience pain and suffering, we can come alongside them and not try to avoid the subject or, 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 or do anything to just, you know, kind of brighten the mood. But we can enter into that moment and say, I'm so sorry. I've never experienced that, but I've, I've experienced some pain too. And here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus meets you in your suffering. He sees your pain. And he's going to make meaning out of it someday. So one more time, I, I want you to turn to one another. And, and this could be somebody you came with. This could be somebody you've never met before. Would you just grab their hand? Would you just look into their eyes? And would you say, there's meaning here. There's meaning here. You know, sometimes... Another Easter comes, we're like, oh, we're going to get the family photo, do the Easter egg hunt, going to get the nice brunch. Jesus came eating and drinking, so I'm going to do my eating and drinking on Easter. <laughs> and yet sometimes through all of that, Jesus kind of peels back the layers of our, of our, of our life and he says, In me, it's all here. The love that you've been looking for, it's here in me. 
the justice that you seek, it's, it's here. It's all here in me. The ability to forgive somebody else, I'll give you that power, that strength, that ability. It's all here in me. But we can rush right past it. Let's not do that today. Let's sit in this moment and just, just take in that truth that Jesus says, I'm alive. It's all here in me. Let's pray. Loving God, you tell us in Scripture that you rejoice over us with singing. In a song, may we hear even the truth of what Scripture says, that there's rejoicing in heaven among the angels for those that turn to you. So God, in this moment, if there's anybody for the first time that wants to put their faith and trust in Jesus, that they would do so. That this thing that's been missing, that they would know that they could find it in you. May they believe that Jesus, you are alive. May they pray, Jesus, be my king, be my savior. Remind them that in that moment, that your spirit dwells in them. They, they bring the fullness of what you long for to begin in them. That there's rejoicing in heaven among the angels. And God, for the many of us here today or online who have already given our lives to you, Jesus, may we be reminded again that our true love, our true hope, our true meaning in life is found in you. May we live as your witnesses to that truth wherever we go. But first, let us sit in this truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.